0: Hi, this is Diva Cerebration, and I'm back with another podcast. And something I was thinking about the other day, and watching other people around me has kind of brought this question on. And the question is, are most people in a healthy relationship, or most people who are in relationships should they be? Are they ready to be? Are they, you know, prepared for a relationship? Or, you know, is a relationship something that everyone is ready for at the time? And are most people in healthy relationships? Are the relationships healthy enough because of who they are, because of their background, because of where they come from? Because, I see a lot of people in relationships that are really unhealthy. And I sometimes step back and think, maybe you should just be alone for a while because this obviously isn't working for you, the two of you together isn't exactly meshing, or, you know, I think a lot of people get into relationships just because they think they need to be in a relationship, or they don't want to be lonely, or they're afraid they're going to be alone for the rest of their lives, and so they dive into the first relationship that comes along or the first person that accepts them and wants to be in a relationship. It might not be the person that they ultimately would want to be with, but they just accept that person because, again, they don't want to be alone or they think this is the best they can do or whatever. And I think a lot of people get into relationships that are not healthy they're not happy in them. And I see that all around me. I just, I mean, I know people bicker. I know you have disagreements. I know that sometimes relationships aren't perfect all the time, but I just seem to think that a lot of people jump into a two-person relationship before they actually have a relationship with themselves. I know that sounds all philosophizing and, but really, I I don't think people spend enough time alone growing within themselves and learning how to live on their own and be alone with themselves and like being alone with themselves so they like who they are as a person before they get into a relationship. And then they get into that relationship and in any kind of relationship, I would think. Um, and then they feel like they have to be in a relationship. Or they have to settle for things that other people are doing within that relationship. Or they have to put up with someone who's cheating. Or someone who's not exactly a nice person. Or they have to put up with addictions. Or, And I think if you spend enough time alone, and you learn to like who you are, you learn to love yourself you learn to live with yourself and enjoy your own company and become okay with being alone with yourself for for certain periods of time without having to be in a relationship, that once you get into a relationship, you're not going to settle. You're not going to put up with things. You're not going to, um, you know, let people take advantage of you, et cetera, et cetera, because you're okay with being alone. You're okay with living on your own. You care about yourself enough, have enough self-respect for yourself, love yourself enough, that it's okay to be alone and not settle for a really bad relationship or for things that happen in a relationship that you shouldn't have to be putting up with. So it's okay to walk away from a bad relationship that isn't working out because you know it's okay to be alone. So I think a lot of people actually get into relationships because they don't do that. They don't spend enough time alone. That's why I think when people get involved with another person far too young and then they end up in a relationship, they don't get to experience that alone time. That growth time within themselves, that that self awareness, that you know comes with maturity, you know, and I think it helps you to mature to spend that time alone. Well, and there are factors that once you are in a relationship that you need, and I was looking up and researching this, and I came across a, a psychology Today article that lists. Several different factors that make up a relationship and what you need in a relationship that will constitute a good relationship. Well, the first and foremost is trust. I've always said that, you know, without trust, there is no love. And without love, there is no trust. It goes both ways. But if you don't have trust first with someone, there's no way that's, that that relationship is going to go to love it might turn into something different and dysfunctional (laughs) if you don't have trust. Or if someone's betrayed you in some way within the relationship, once the trust is gone, the relationship is over. And you have to accept that. There's very hard, it's very hard to build trust again after someone has betrayed that trust. It's very hard. Because you can never, ever forget that they betrayed you. And, you know, they say that it it can be done, but I don't know that it can. (laughs) That's just my personal opinion. But trust is arguably among the most important relationship characteristics, is what they say. Without trust, there is a lack of solid, solid foundation on which to build your emotional intimacy, and your potential for hurt, over and over again, grows even bigger, which is what I was saying. Once somebody's betrayed you how can you trust them ever again? And and if they do do something, well, it is going to hurt because now that's double betrayal, you know? Without trust, you will be left constantly unsure of whether you can count on your partner to come through for you and whether or not they really mean what they are saying, which that's that's basically trust, right? And there's they say there's ways to rebuild trust to build it and rebuild it within a relationship. Uh, But they say if you are not on the path to doing so, your relationship is vulnerable to stress and uncertainty. So I've always said trust is the most important thing. You know, trust is basically love. Once for me, once I trust somebody, love is right there. Because in order for me to love someone, I have to trust them. So I think that once you build trust with somebody, that's when you have a really good friendship, that's when you have a really good relationship, and you are, you know, as trust is already established, you already have a level of love for someone because you trust them. That is part of love. Without it, you can't have it. Okay, communication, obviously, they say is the second thing, but obviously, communication is something you need to have with everyone you're in a relationship with. An intimate relationship, or a friendship, or any relationship you're in, you're going to need to be able to communicate with someone, because if you don't have that, then what are you doing in a relationship? You might as well be alone if you don't have communication. Communicating honestly and respectfully, especially about things that are difficult, is something that does not, come automatically to everyone, Uh, they say here, we may have learned to keep uncomfortable things under the surface for the sake of harmony, or the appearance of perfection, or we also may have never even learned how to acknowledge difficult feelings to ourselves. And that's why I think it's really important that people live on their own, because then you get to know yourself, and you get to know your own feelings and maybe things that you've kept pin- pinned up inside will come out and you you have to deal with it because you are alone and you're you know, living your life alone and you're growing and you're changing and you're maturing. And I think that that's the best time to deal with that kind of stuff so that you're not pulling other people into your situations. Okay, the other thing they say is other challenges involve escalating a conflict into a full-out war, lacking the ability to not take things over personally or lashing out when you feel threatened. It's okay if you have these tendencies. What's important is that you work on them as strong and healthy communication in the lifeblood of the nourishing and good relationship. So, yeah, I mean, if you watch people, this is what really concerns me. I've watched a lot of people um over the years, and around me currently, that they have disagreements, they don't communicate well, and you go, wow, hmm, a lot of issues there that you didn't deal with on your own before you got into the relationship, right? You can literally pick things out about people that they didn't do, or the way that they act, or the way that they communicate with their spouse or significant other, and you can literally check the list of things that uh, they needed to take care of before they got into the relationship. You can see it right off the bat. You know, people lashing out or saying things, nasty things. It's like, why would you do that to somebody you care about? Why would you do that to someone you love? Why would you create a hazardous uh, argument or situation in front of other people and embarrass your spouse? You know, that's kind of stuff you do behind closed doors. That's the kind of stuff that's between you and your spouse. You know, you don't do that stuff in public. And I know sometimes that happens, things come out in public, but wow, why? Why would you do that? You know, the, this is the relationship between you and the other person. You need to have a healthier view on relationships, and you need to have got been ready for that when you got into the relationship to begin with. Work out your issues, your family issues. Don't work it out within a relationship although that happens, I know, but try to work it out before you get into that relationship so that you're ready. Or, you know, the communication part, communicating what's happened to you, where you've been down down the line, and the things emotionally have happened to you in other relationships, or in your family relationships, so your partner understands why you react the way that you do. Because if they understand the ABCs of who you are, then they'll understand why you're reacting, and they may not get as upset if they see you react a certain way. They'll understand that that's just part of your DNA, of something that's happened to you in the past, or whatever. Okay, You have to have patience. That leads us into that. That's, you know, once you understand your partner, and you're patient with your partner, and you understand what they've been through, and and you understand how they react, then patience does come into it. And, you know, they say here, no one can be perfectly patient at all times, and the factors like lack of sleep, stress, and physical health problems can make you easily more agitated at various points. Uh, That's part of being human, but partners in a healthy, loving relationship extend each other a basic, common denominator of patience that allows for peace, flexibility, and support when no one person is having a bad day or is not at their best. When partners are chronically impatient with each other, they often create a dynamic of being counting and resentment where they are mentally racking up offenses that other partners has um, committed. Being able to just go with the ebb and the flow of a partner's moods and day-to-day life within reason can instead allow a feeling of being unconditionally loved. So that's where patience, they say patience is a virtue. Well, it is. Patience is a virtue. If you can be patient with your partner or understand what they're going through at a certain point because you understand, like I was saying, what makes them up, what's brought them here, the, their their experiences and their perspective on things. If you understand more, that goes back to communicating, then you will also understand what they're doing and have patience with them. And that takes us to the next thing on the list. You'll have empathy for that person. Uh, and, and empathy is when you're willing to take another person's perspective um, and and understand it and and feel for them and um you know just just know what they're going through. And you can feel it yourself because you've you've communicated with them, you've talked to them about this in the past, and you understand how they feel, that's empathy. Uh, whether in parenting, or being a good neighbor, or even just letting someone merge in front of you in front of the highway, empathy you know, kind of comes into play in everything that you do. Okay, they say here, but it is arguably most important with the person you've chosen to be as your partner. Can you truly put forth the effort to try to understand their perspective, like what I was saying, even when you disagree with it? Does their pain spur you to try to help them feel better, or do you feel happy about their triumphs? Empathy, Empathy is crucial for a long-term love, and I totally agree with that. You have to kind of understand that other person because if you don't fully understand everything that's brought them to that point in in their lives and then everything you've experienced with them since and why they would react a certain way and why they would be a certain way, then you are never, ever going to have a, a successful relationship if you cannot see things from their perspective. Now, they have to do the same or the relationship is not going to be successful. They have to see things from your perspective and understand your makeup and your ABCs of who you are. And... You know, that's why a lot of people get in arguments. That's why people, you know, don't talk to each other. They don't communicate because they don't understand things. They feel hurt. They get resentful. And then someone goes off and has an affair, or or someone just stops talking to the other person, or someone throws a fit. You know, people can't read your mind, but you can understand what you already know that they have shared with you. If you're not, not understanding something that's going on, then you need to talk to them and communicate with them and say, why is this happening? Uh, number five, affection and interest. This is something that is so important, I think. Because if you cannot be interested in one another physically, and you cannot show physical affection to one another, um, then there there's no relationship. You know, uh, people say if there's no sex in a marriage, there's no marriage. I I agree. I mean, I think there can be extenuating circumstances. There can be different situations where that's happening for other reasons. But I think if you're not giving affection to one another, why are you in a relationship? Again, why aren't you just alone? Because what what are you doing in a relationship if you're not going to be affectionate with one another? Okay, they say it likely goes without saying that love should be part of any healthy, committed, romantic relationship. In fact, I, I, I didn't bother to put that on the list earlier, is what they're saying. But more subtle than love is the expression of that love in the form of affection and also a general interest, a liking for each other small physical gestures or affections like hugs kisses comforting touches can go a long way to keep each person feeling comforted and secure within their relationship there is no one right amount of physical uh, affection within a relationship as long as both partners feel comfortable with how that their needs to be, need to be matched same is true with physical intimacy intimacy as for the like factor, that goes further than love. It means that you are truly interested in each other and fond of each other and that you are together out of attraction, even if no longer the physical infatuation of the early days rather than obligation. So, yeah, I mean, I think you have to be really physically attracted to someone. And I've talked about that in the past that, you know, if, if there is no physical attraction, then there's no relationship. Because it tends to come along with how you feel about somebody. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's how someone looks or, you know, I I do agree people need to be healthy physically and take care of themselves and have pride in themselves and self-respect. But, you know, if there is no attraction, then it's probably because all those other areas we spoke about already there, there's no communication. There's no trust. Something has gone wrong in the empathy area. Or something's gone wrong in any of these things on the checklist that you're not feeling it for that person anymore. And that's a betrayal somewhere along the line. And that's why physical affection kind of goes away. Flexibility. Well, I mean, that's, if you're living your life with somebody, that's That's another pointer. You know, you have to be flexible with somebody. And if you're not, how are you going to have a relationship? You're two different people. You're going over years of time, you're going to change, you're going to grow. You have to be flexible. Uh, Relationships are compromise. That's what a relationship is sometimes. When you're on your own, you can do whatever you want. But when you're in a relationship, you kind of have to check in with the other person. You kind of have to take the other person to account. So you have to be flexible and open to that other person and what they need. Um, things, you know. And while some things they say here is, while some things don't allow for a perfect scenario. Uh, on that front, you can't decide to have a child, for instance, without that other person. The kinkimonet. Component that makes a good compromise is important no matter what. Flexibility, it's important that both partners show flexibility in day to day life and decision making because if it's just one partner always doing the bending, that's an imbalance. It can grow to- toxic over time. And healthy relationships, both partners are willing to adjust as needed to changes and growth, positive and negative, and that may come about during the relationship, uh, long term relationships. So yeah, you have to be flexible, you have to be able to bend, you, you have to be, a, you know, sometimes people, uh, one person's given 80% and the other person's given 20%. It depends on where you are, if that, maybe you're supporting your partner in a tough time, and you have to be a little more flexible for them. But if it lasts a little too long, it can get a little too tough, and then you start, re- you start resenting that other person, so yeah, you can be flexible, but you also have to, the, it, it goes both ways, appreciation, you know, if you appreciate one each and one another, and what you do, who you are, how you, um, feel about that person. It says here, the research about the importance of gratitude within relationships is striking and makes us feel happier and more secure with our partners. And the more that we feel that gratitude, the more we feel appreciated for who we are within the relationship, which also improves the relationship's well-being. Even small expressions of gratitude and appreciation can help improve a relationship's satisfaction. So, yeah. When you appreciate your partner, I mean, gosh, how many times have you heard people say, my my husband or my wife doesn't appreciate me, and doesn't show that appreciation to me, and, you know, basically, you, when you don't appreciate somebody, you're saying to them that you don't think very much of them. Well, then why are you in a relationship again? <laughs> so, appreciation needs to be shown, and that is respect for one another um, in front and behind closed doors. And then you have to allow the next thing they say is room for growth. You have to, if you're going to be in a relationship with someone on a long-term basis for years, people need to grow. People are going to change and your relationships grow. And here it says, uh, relationships grow uh, stale, not just because a certain amount of time has um, elapsed, but because people feel stuck and unable to progress either as individuals or as couples is unrealistic and downright unhealthy to expect that two people will remain the exact same across months, years, or decades of a relationship. Hopes, fears, goals, and interests constantly evolve, and that is a good thing. A relationship does not have to end uh, or even suffer because of this, as long as both people allow each other the space to grow by not pigeonholing each other into their um, younger selves. So, you're going to grow, you're going to change, time's going to pass, and you have to understand that your partner's going to change. They may be a different person in five years than the person you met. And you know what? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because you want your partner to grow and progress and become who they're supposed to be. You do not want to hold them back and have them be the same person that they always were. You don't want to you know hold somebody back just because you're not going as fast or moving as fast or things aren't going as well for you you know you want to make sure that the other person is is progressing in the way that they can too or what life's bringing to them but there has to be a balance as always and like i said before the number 9 is respect again same thing with trust no trust no love no respect no love. I think those all go together. Trust, respect, and love all go together in a relationship. And they say here, we often associate the concept of respect with uh, people or concepts that are not intimate with each other, respecting one another's elders, respecting symbols of religious faith, or respecting authority, but respect in every is every bit as important within a close partnership, if not more so in healthy relationships. People talk to each other in ways that they don't debase each other and validate or belittle each other. They value each other, t- their time and their opinions. Um, they like to va- value as they value their own, and they protect each other's privacy and don't use each other as the butt of jokes or as hired help to constantly clean up the apartment or make thankless dinners, etc. You know, when you respect, you when uh, respect begins to erode in a relationship, it's a long and pain t- pain, painstaking road to build it back. So it's, that's why I said it's the same as trust. It takes a long time to build trust, and it takes a long time to to have someone respect you, and and to build that respect. Uh, let's see. In a healthy partnership, the tallying that early relationship show it picked uh, he picked me up in the airport last week, so I owe him a fa- favor. So um being reciprocal reciprocity uh fades into the background as a new trusting equilibri- equilibrium takes place uh, you both just generally do for each other what wh- when what's needed. In an ideal situation, the give and take roughly works out equal between each other. So that's what they're talking about. You know, uh, re- having reciprocal, doing things reciprocally t- for each other. I do something for you. You do something for me. There has to be a balance in what you do for each other and how you respect each other and. Uh, You can't have somebody doing more for uh, you than you're doing for them. So there has to be that give and take in relationship where there's going to be a buildup of resentment. And um, it's going to get a little uncomfortable. And then that goes back to respect and trust. Uh, Healthy conflict resolution. We talked about that earlier. You know, you need to know how to argue. You need to know how to argue with one another. You need to know how to communicate with one another. And if you're having a disagreement, you need to be able to talk it out. You need to be able to communicate and tell each other what you feel um, and how 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 situations are gonna work out, how they're gonna end, how you're gonna uh, you know, are you gonna move uh, to a certain city? are you whose job uh, is you know, if if you guys get promoted, whose job's more important? or are they both important and whose salary is more important or are they both important is it if you leave for your job to move to another city and your partner has to give something up is that going to affect them badly and are you going to have to argue about that and that's going to bring conflict and Maybe your partner doesn't want to move. Maybe they don't want to leave their job. Maybe they're really, really happy at their job. And are you that unhappy at your job that you need to move to go to this other job? So there's, you know, you have to be able to come to conclusions about things. You have to be able to communicate with each other. And when you have disagreements about things like jobs or the house or the kids or You know your significant other's family members, the mother-in-law, or their father-in-law, or their brother and sister. You know you have to be able to talk through those situations, and um, you know, and 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 keep things from escalating too far, in order for you to have a healthy relationship. And they say much research has pointed to the fact that the way a couple argues or doesn't can predict a lot about their relationship success. We tend to have rose-colored glasses about romance in American culture. We are willing to entertain conflict in the beginning. Boy meets girl, boy loses girl, then boy gets girl back and lives happily ever after, that kind of stuff that, you know, you see in films. But once a couple rides off into the sunset together, we expect the things should just be okay, and uh, then, you know, then you're out. Ironically, couples that hide their upset with one another in order to preserve the illusion of everything being perfect are probably far worse off than couples that express their emotions and work and resolve them as they come up, and even if it causes conflict. So you can't be afraid of conflict in a relationship. You have to be able to to trust the other person. So basically what they end with here is that... Um, In short, healthy relationships refrain from stonewalling and escalating into personal attacks when there is a difference of opinion or a problem. They are able to talk it through with respect, empathy, and understanding. So if you're in a healthy relationship, you might see some disagreements. You may see conflict, but in the end, you're able to talk to each other. You're able to work it through. You don't, give somebody the quiet syndrome. You don't, you know, shut somebody out and just say, never mind. You know, you just, you, you, you take a breath and you say, okay, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I I need you to listen to what I'm saying. And this is what I'm saying. And maybe I'm not getting it across to you in a way that, you know, you may not understand coming from me or vice versa. So let's, Let's talk to Sue a little bit more, and here's what I'm trying to say. And then reword what you're saying. You know, don't stonewall. Don't give somebody the silent treatment. You have to talk to people. You don't resolve anything if you shut people out. And then when you are speaking to them, speak with them with respect try to understand what they're saying and give them the uh, opportunity to understand what you're saying. And, and so you both can have empathy for one another in your conversations and come to a resolution. And that's, you know, that's the only way. And it goes back to communication. Again, you're hearing communication, respect, understanding, empathy, all of things, those things that are important in a relationship come in at the end when you're in a conflict resolution. So trust, everything comes in. You have to trust that someone's going to listen to you and they're not going to turn around and bring something up years later that you told them or months later, or they're not going to you know, bring this argument up again and try and hold it against you for something that you've asked about or needed. So all of that comes into play. Okay, number 12, they mention individuality and boundaries. Two people who were exactly the same would probably not have much to talk about after a while. After all, they'd already know what the other's perspective was going to be, so why bother to listen to it? And of course, two people who are so different that they don't share each other's values or daily styles of living are bound to have too little in common to maintain an interest in each other at best, or be downright incompatible, disliking each other from the start at worst. The sweet spot is a relationship where a lot the similarities create a foundation to connect with each other, but individual differences are still respected and valued. So that's what they're talking about when they say individuality and and boundaries. You know, you're still going to be who you are. And like I was talking about before, you know, as time goes on, each one of us changes, each one of us grows, and you want that in a relationship. But you also have to realize that each one of you is going to change differently you're going to grow differently it's not going to be the same person that you married 5 years from now they're going to be a different person and again i will say that's what you want because that's what you want to that's who you want to be in a relationship with you want to be in a relationship with somebody who lets you grow who lets you change and still loves you even with all that I mean, the basic person, I think, always stays the same, but you are going to, you know, you're going to be married 20 years down the road to a different person than you married the first day you got together. So, you know, that's a good thing. Again, just, you just have to remember that. And then boundaries. Um, It's important that each partner is given the freedom to still live their own life, which is, that's what I'm saying. If you, open up and let somebody live their own life and do their own thing. You know, there's going to be compromise. There's going to be negotiation. There's going to be times that you're going to have to one person's going to give more than the other, 80/20. There's going to be times when you have to choose during something that your your partner wants to do more in life or in a daily event or or even in jobs. You have to kind of look at your relationship and balance out what's more important. Now, if one person keeps saying that their side's more important than your report your side, then that's not balance, you know. And you're not setting your own boundaries with that person. You know, boundaries um, are something that yes, you even have to set in a loving relationship. People look at boundaries as, boundary setting as being something you do when someone um, is you know, being mean to you, or when you're being uh, harassed or bullied at work, or okay, now you got to set a boundary. Well, you have to set boundaries in a relationship as well, because one partner might tend to walk all over the other partner and not even think they're doing it if those boundaries aren't set. I was watching. A video. I have a, a husky, and I was watching a video about this demon husky. It's this English show. I can't remember what the name of it is. It's Me or the Dog. I think that's the name of it, or something like that. And there was a couple who had a husky. Who the the boyfriend or husband or whoever, whatever that he was in the relationship. I couldn't remember if they were married or not. He was able to handle the dog and when they went to look for dogs her her choice was she wanted to get a chihuahua and she convinced him to get a dog and what did they end up getting a husky and she's this little petite thing and he's this tall big guy and of course she wanted a chihuahua she doesn't want a big dog she's this little girl she looks like she may have been five feet And so she can't handle a big dog. And that's the kind of dog that'll drag somebody that little down the street if you don't get it under control from the very beginning. And I think she also knew that her personality was not the kind of personality that can handle a bigger dog. Anyway, the dog was overtaking her. And it was getting in the way of their relationship. And basically, her boyfriend husband was just saying, I don't want to give it a dog. I love the dog. Even though whenever the dog was alone with her, he was biting her. I mean, he was puncturing her, her skin and he was growling at her. I mean, he looked like a freaking different dog when he would leave the house. He was, uh, when the guy was there, he was well behaved. He listened. But then as soon as he left the house, he was all, you know, growling at her like a wolf. And this is a husky, so it made it look even scarier. So... There was a boundary there that was not being set with her partner, and saying, Listen, this dog needs to start minding, or I'm out. This isn't going to happen anymore. And from the very beginning, she should have set boundaries and said, Hey, I can't handle a big dog. I'm a little nothing, and you're this big tall guy. I need a smaller dog. We can't get a big husky because I'm not going to be able to handle that. But what the um, trainer taught her was how to handle a big dog. I've always had big dogs. So I know that you can handle a big dog. You have to remember that a dog is an animal, particularly you have to remember it's a big animal. You know, most dogs have teeth. Even the smaller ones could rip you to shreds if they want it to. I mean, if you went and uh, met a coyote out in the middle of the woods, you'd be afraid of a coyote and they're not small. They're small dogs. So, you have to set boundaries with an animal and that you have to let them know who's the boss. You have to be the alpha. And if you're not the alpha man, they'll walk all over you. And that's exactly what that dog was doing to her. She was being way too nice. And I don't mean you have to be mean to a dog. You just have to come, you know, you have to be big in your voice. You have to command attention. You never have to touch a dog to get a dog to mind. And that I've had, um, Dobla mix. I've had a Husky, um, I've had German Shepherds, I've had Boer Collies, who are hyper as heck, and, you know, Huskies are just, they have a mind of their own if you don't get, a, get control of them, and I've had three Huskies, so I know that you can get a dog into control, and most times when dogs aren't minding, or dogs are acting badly, it's because their um, owners, or their parents, if you want to call it your parents, um, uh, ha- have not taught them. Have not given them the boundaries. It's just like with kids who are unruly when they're out in public. I know that those parents have not set boundaries for that with those kids. And again, you never have to touch a kid to get a kid to mine. You just have to set clear boundaries from the beginning. And if you set those clear boundaries with a kid or an animal or anybody, they're going to know where you're coming from. What you have that's it's sort of like setting up an expectation of what you have of someone. And you let them know what you expect. Now, that doesn't mean they're always going to do it. It doesn't mean they're always going to do what you want. But you can say, this is my expectation. And then as another human being, and even a pet can do this, you can negotiate where you're going to go with that. Because, you know, if you're abusing a kid or an animal, you know, there's going to have, or a partner, they're going to be like, "Ah, no, you know, my boundary is you're not going to treat me that way. And... And they'll let you know, animals to kids to partners in your life or friends or anybody will let you know if you've crossed their boundaries. So that's kind of what a boundary is. And you have to be strong in the beginning and tell people what you're not going to let them cross the line and do. And I've always been that kind of a person. You know, I don't let people cross a certain line. Now, I, you can go a little, you can go a little, I let things go. But then there just comes a point where I'm like, no, now it ends it's over. I've let this happen far too often. Now it will never happen again. (laughs) You will never do this again. And here's why it's happened this many times and go down the list of all the things that have happened and say, and that's why I can't let you do it again. So you have to set clear boundaries in a relationship and, you know, there's give and take. Um, people are individuals as, as I've said, um, And you have to kind of feel out what each one of you can handle. You know, it's important that each partner, uh, this is what they say. It's important that each partner is given the freedom to still live their own life, especially in terms of friendship, professional goals, and hobbies. A strong, healthy relationship brings to mind a Venn diagram. There is uh, adequate overlap to keep the connection strong, but each person has aspects of their lives that are theirs alone, and that boundary is respected by both parties. And I've said this many, many times in relationships that I've been in. You can't come into a relationship and then it's all you and him, or you, you know, you and your partner in a, um, same-sex uh, relationships. It can't just be you two all the time. Or if you're in a three a three part relationship, whatever, you can't just be in that little bubble all the time when you come into a relationship, before I met you, you had friends. You went out and did things with your friends. You did things with your family. You had hobbies. You had interests. You had things that you did when I wasn't there before I filled your time. You can't stop doing those things. I mean, I know at the beginning of a relationship, sometimes you spend a little more time with each other than you do after you've, you know, solidified the relationship. You have to keep doing the things that you do. And those are the boundaries that I set whenever I come into a relationship. You know, when I was dating, I went out with my friend, Uh, I would tell him, you know, especially if a guy was trying to get me to go out with him, like (laughs) practically every day of the week, I would say, listen, here, here are the things I do during the week. I have a choir practice on Thursday night. I go out with my friends on Wednesdays and Fridays. And I have a church and things that I do with my family on Sundays at this time. I work at these times. You know, I do my gym at this time. Work around their schedules because that is my life and I'm not changing it. I'm happy doing the things that I do. And I'm happy doing these things, but if you want to go out and you want to go on a date with me, here are my open time slots. Tell me when when you want to go somewhere and where, where what you want to do. And if maybe uh, something came up with going out on Friends on Friday night, I would call them and say, listen, um, you know how we were going to go out on Saturday night? Was there any reservations? Da, da, da. Nope. Okay. My friends want to go out on Saturday night because there's a concert and can we just do Friday night? So that kind of stuff, you know, it's just simple stuff like that to, you know, major stuff like I'm going to work out every day at this time. Don't expect me to do anything. This is my time. This is the thing I do for me. And I don't like being interrupted or I have a special show that I like to watch each week. Don't bother me. Don't call me during that time. You know, just simple stuff like that. But you have to set boundaries on both sides. And it can be in this, as extreme as, you know, this is my chosen profession. I'm not going to change it. And I have to be in this city in order to do this chosen profession until they start doing Um, this profession in another city or it's more prominent in another city, I have to stay here in order to do what I've done, what I've gone to college for, whatever, what I have a master's for or what my experience is. And so people have to remember that. Okay. And the next thing we're going to talk about is openness and honesty. That's number 13 on the list. Boy, is that important. I can't even express how important openness and honesty is in a relationship. Me, myself. Um, I think it's good to be totally open and totally honest. Now, honesty. You know, do you look at somebody and tell them that they look horrible Or do you tell him you look tired? No, you don't want to be constantly doing that kind of stuff unless there's a concern. And you're doing it in private and you're not embarrassing them in front of other people. So yeah, there's honesty and then there's honesty, you know. But when it comes to very important things in a relationship, it's always honesty. That builds trust. That builds respect, which then builds love. If you're not being open and honest, if you're holding back or you're not telling people things, you're not going to have a relationship at all. It's going to ruin the relationship. You have to be honest. So if you're one of those people who's dating somebody over here and then screwing around with somebody over there, but not saying anything about it, well, there's no relationship. There's none. You're just boffing two different people. That's not a relationship. You need to be open and honest. If you're going to see other people, you have to be honest with the people that you're dating that you are seeing other people and how many other people you're seeing. You don't have to tell them who it is, but you do have to say, I'm seeing three other people or I'm seeing one other person right now. You know, if you're going to start out dating and you're going to end up in a relationship eventually, you have to be honest. And if you're not honest from the beginning, guaranteed that person isn't going to be honest with you in a relationship. They're going to hide a lot of stuff. Okay, this is what they say. Different partners have different levels of openness with their relationship. Yeah, different levels of openness. (laughs) Some might be horrified at leaving the bathroom door open, for instance, whereas others will discuss the most intimate of physical details with each other without giving it a second thought. So too is the case with openness and honest and hopes Dreams and even the details of one's workday. But no matter where you fall on the spectrum of letting it hang out, it's important that there is a solid match and that honesty underlies whatever disclosures you do make. Exactly what I was saying. Everything has to be open and honest. Well, you know, at, there's different levels, like they're talking about. You know, you don't talk about your, what you do in the bathroom or whatever. But the important things about your relationship you have to talk about, or, you know, depends on what your partner considers important as well, and what you consider important, and what you don't consider important, and they don't consider important. That's all about compatibility, and that's why some people get along, and some people don't have to say certain things or talk about certain things, and then other people don't get along because the other partner is just not compatible with them as far as openness and honesty or all kinds of things in the relationship. Okay. Honesty underlines whatever disclosures you make. Partners who mask their true selves, hide their emotional realities, or actively deceive their partners, that's what I was talking about, about their habits and behaviors, are jeopardizing the fundamental foundation of trust in every relationship that every relationship needs so you know if you are into SM, well you better be you know once you start getting serious with somebody and it's heading that way you know you don't want somebody to get emotionally invested in you if they can't handle you know being in an SM relationship now i'm not talking you know, we've all talked about this before i don't think it should be abuse at any way You know, but you know, if you're into something a little more kinkier than maybe somebody else is, your partner needs to know that up front. And I have been in relationships where I found out down the line that they were into far different stuff than I was ready to be into way too kinky. You know, if somebody has a foot fetish, you you better be honest about it somewhere along the line before you get too serious, because you're going to hurt that other person, or they're going to have invested all this time, and they're going to have an emotional attachment to you, and then they're going to have to back out, because they're going to darn well know that that's something that they can't handle. So you need to be a little, I mean, it's not something you throw out there, you know, stuff like that's not something you throw out there at the very beginning of the relationship. but. You know, once you're starting to get a little more intimate and you know this is going to go further and you're thinking, this is someone I could fall in love with, or this is someone I could care about, or this is someone that I could be intimate sexually with, you kind of need to start talking about that sort of stuff before you get too deep into it and they have to say, I'm out. (laughs) Someone else has got to come in because I'm out. So, you know, that kind of stuff you need to talk about. But even just whether you want to have a baby, whether you want to get married, or, you know, there's a lot more people nowadays that marriage is not something that has to be on the table. Because uh, a lot of men and women, not just men, but a lot of women now are seeing that marriage was basically a contract that was created by the church, by the state, so that men could declare that they owned you, (laughs) I mean, let's just be honest. It was a contract to say that they owned you. You and your children were their property, just like slaves were. And so a lot of women don't like that idea anymore. Or they don't like taking the man's name anymore because, hey, this is, yeah, maybe this is my father's name, but that's my father. You know, maybe they decide to take a different name or or name themselves something differently. Parents don't be upset by that. You know, this is, you know, everybody has their own journey. And if they decide that having that name of a man that's ownership doesn't work for them, then that's okay. They're still your daughter. (laughs) They're still your son. Um, My brother took on a writing name. And he was named after my father. And my dad is still to this day, he is upset that my brother did that, that he has a different legal writing name to write books and write journals and things like that. than he does a, um, uh, he didn't use his, you know, given name, but you know, my dad named him after him. You know, I've never quite understood that one. I know a lot of people do that, but I would never do that to a child. They need to have an individual name of their own. If you're going to name a child, give them something individual so they can be who they are. You don't just name them after you. And I know it's all this, so oh, I want to pass the name down. Well, you are passing your ne- your last name's going to your kid. You are passing it down. But so there's all kinds of different things that, you know, people need to consider. And a lot of women, you know, they're not into that marriage thing anymore. Men aren't into that. You know, a lot of people are like, if you need a piece of paper to stay together, then it wasn't meant to be in the first place. A lot of people go through hairy divorces where the one or the other person took advantage of them legally because they could because they were married. But you also have to remember, once you live with someone a certain amount of time, a lot of states have legal, you know, legalized marriage if you've been together so long, whether you get married or not, you're considered married. So all those things have to be taken into consideration. um, What the other person is comfortable with, uh, what their boundaries are, whether you're being honest enough about what's going on in your life and what uh, your needs are and what things are going to be down the line. I mean, there's all kinds of different situations. Everyone is different. And, you know, there are people who... You know, like to do the three-way thing. They have uh, either you know, a man living with two women, or a woman living with two men. You know, I could probably handle the women being the woman living with two men, but I don't think I could handle being two uh, with one man and then another woman. I am too jealous for that. I can handle two men though. <laughs> but the point is that you know, everybody has their threshold. And everybody has their jealousies, everybody has their needs, their wants, and you have to be honest about that from the start. And you can't start getting serious with somebody and then expect them just to accept something that they couldn't accept in the first place. So open and honest. So there you go. There's our checklist of things that, um, you know, makes a relationship. And as I said at the very beginning, I have my doubts sometimes when I look at people that they've really gone through something like this. I think it's good to go to counseling before you get married. I think it's good to go to counseling while you're dating. I think it's good to have those talks if you can't get it out between you and you need a mediator to come in counseling's not a bad thing it, you know it's gonna help you to hold that relationship together if things get put out there a little bit more. And sometimes one-on-one people can't do that because they're afraid they're going to hurt somebody or they're afraid uh, of what the reaction is going to be. And if there's a mediator there, it helps. It helps them be able to talk about things. That's why counseling is such a great thing. And it doesn't mean you're crazy if you go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counselor. It doesn't mean there's absolutely something wrong with your relationship if you do that. It just means that you need a mediator in there to help you guys move along. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different families where, you know, there was a little bit of dysfunctionality. And I don't care what anybody says. Everyone has dysfunctionality in their family. No one's perfect. And there's major dysfunctionality usually, uh, depending on what level and, and what your parents were like and where they came from. You know, you could have, gr- your parents could have grown up in a really wealthy home with a lot of financial, uh, opportunities, but their parents were closed off or they were, they married or they were, um, you know, they work too much and they weren't home enough. So the kid was left alone all the time and doesn't know how to communicate. Or you could have grown up in a really poor family where you didn't talk about anything emotionally. You didn't discuss anything because every day was just a daily fight to keep going and put food on the table and pay the bills and everybody was working two or three jobs and was too tired to talk about anything. And it was just basically getting through the day. So you, you know, a lot of people from two different worlds come together like that and they can't understand each other. It's good to go to a counselor because they can help you understand and say, a counselor can look at you and say, Hey, you came from a wealthy background where your parents were, you know, cold and distant because they worked so much. And uh you or and they were making a lot of money, but you know, they were they were getting their fulfillment at work and not coming home as much as they should. Or you you know, on the other scale, you came from this family that, you know, they didn't talk at all because they were just trying to get through the next day and pay the bills. So there's where your disconnect is. You guys are totally different. You've been brought up different and you have to acknowledge that perspective on each side in order to understand each other. You can't just ignore where you come from. You can't just ignore the the experiences that you've had. You can't just say well i'm sexually attracted to you and god she looks hot or he looks hot and he's gorgeous that should be enough that is just the initial attraction has nothing to do about building a relationship you really have to try to understand each other and i'm not saying two people from two different worlds can't make it we see it all the time people who have long term marriages that came from two different worlds two different cultures you know and have overcome that all but had enough similarities that they were able to have a long-term relationship, but they worked hard at it. No relationship just happens. Relationships are work, whether it's a parent to child or significant other relationships, friendships, work relationships, they're all work. And you have to kind of step back, take a beat, and work with one another. And I hope that This helps you, if you're not in a relationship or you're in a relationship, helps you consider the fact that you need to really look at these kind of things in your relationship before you end up in a long-term relationship that may not work out. You have to look realistically at each other, or it helps you to get to a point where you get into the counseling or the help you need to get so that your relationship will work so that you can understand one another and you don't end up standing in a group of friends with everybody bickering and me standing there looking at you going, why the hell did you ever get married? Why are you even together? Do you guys even love each other? You need to work on this. You know, why are you, you don't make yourself miserable by staying together with somebody that it isn't going to work with. There is a way to work it out. If you love someone enough, you can make it work. You just have to admit that it's okay to do counseling. It's okay to sit down and talk to each other. It's okay to be honest and admit things to one another. And it's okay to go through this checklist that I gave you or listen to this podcast and take some tips. It's okay because that is what helps make a relationship last. This has been Diva Cerebration, and hopefully this has giving you something to think about. Thank mm-hmm.